name is Graham Pergandy. Welcome to Line Break, the Shenandoah podcast. I am a poet from Fort Worth, Texas, and I turn to poetry because it slows me down, makes me accept some ambiguity in my life. Today, we will hear a poem featured in our spring 2020 issue of the Shenandoah Literary Magazine. This is Dorsey Ulbrich reading, The Pirate Anne Bonny Does Not Care About Football. The Pirate Anne Bonny Does Not Care About Football. You say it's the heat. The sunglasses that puddle from noses, glint in rows like sunfish, a flip-drip school drying in hot air, but they're going for it on fourth down, so you drop your jaw like you mean to swallow a helmet whole, a groan to drown the signal collar, the veins in your neck slung with wind, with blood, stuck under a sweat-logged tangle of crimson, and the sound still pumping out of your mouth like a whale's stale exhale, and after the linemen launch their face mask crunch, I see you stretched across the field like a sail, riding the thin wire of the TV cameras up to the empty corners of the upper deck, lick salt from the freckled ears of wrecked boys, clip letters from their chests, and give their dates high fives that shake their sunburnt cleavage because the D-line held like leather, and now we're in the red zone. So you zip line down to the head cheerleader, his brawny arms waiting for your boot poised in his hand while you kick the other foot to your forehead and flash the club-level seats, a downpour of whiskey and water on the toddlers, and I can tell we're about to send a short pass out to the flat, Thumbs of our slight new slot receiver meet at the seam on the underside of the ball before you tuck it and break for the end zone. No touchdown celebration raucous as the spangle you throw while they slap your shoulder pads. A somersault shimmy that has the referee sprinting down the sideline to clutch a sliver of your jersey empty and crumpled in the painted letters because you're already traipsing out the tunnel with a fistful of championship rings, the running back's diamond gleaming in your nose. You stop by the trophy case to lop some gold plate and help yourself to spiced rum from the liquor lockers, a perfect spiral, an orange scorch, electricity and shattered glass of every blinking bulb the scoreboard has. I played football in high school in Texas, and for four years of my life, I believed it was the most important thing I did. Now I'm a poetry reader and an intern for a literary magazine, and those two worlds don't often collide, especially not with piracy. But in this poem, Holbrook bridges those two realms as she carefully weaves an extended metaphor comparing piracy to football through their dependence on violence, greed, sexuality, and drunkenness. So I googled the pirate Anne Bonny and found a biography on the U.S. National Park Service website. It says Anne Bonny was born in Ireland in the late 17th century and moved to Carolina. She then married a pirate before moving to the Bahamas and joined John Calico Jack Rackham on his pirate ship, The Revenge. Some accounts say she was hung with the rest of her pirate crew. Others say she made it back safely to her father in Carolina. 
Either way, the comparison of a 17th century female Irish pirate with the tactical precision and industrial commercial success of modern American football is disorienting. But when you think about it, both use violence as a means to material wealth. And there, Ulbrich uses an ironic second-person tone to highlight our strange tradition and its unsuspecting historical predecessor. From the opening line, you say it's the heat, as if the heat is to blame for the critique that follows. The narrator is speaking directly to the reader. This ironic tone continues. You drop your jaw like you mean to swallow a helmet whole. And you're already traipsing out the tunnel with a fistful of championship rings. Here, we see the speaker parody violence and greed. Nobody can swallow a helmet. And as a former high school football player who is still more than slightly envious of the championship rings my brothers won, a fistful is a lot of a very valuable thing. In football, like piracy, aggression is glorified as a means of conquering your opponent, and rings are awarded as symbols of success. And for some strange reason, we cast our judgment aside, celebrating violence and materialism as honorable traits. The truth is, both of these worlds and their ideals survive only through our retelling of stories. A pirate goes from a thief, murderer, and a drunk to a daring opportunist resisting the oppressive establishment. A football player goes from a violent criminal to a strong leader with a set of pads and a helmet, as long as their aggression remains within the rules of the game, between the whistles, on the field. One of the more interesting lines from this poem is, Lick salt from the freckled ears of wrecked boys. For all the sweat and blood that is exchanged during a game of football, I've never heard of anyone licking anyone else intentionally. This line sexualizes the male athlete's bodies in a jarring manner, but draws attention to the next few lines which highlight the sexualized roles that are usually reserved for women in this ritual we call football. Ulbrich writes, give their dates high fives that shake their sunburnt cleavage. And while you kick the other foot to your forehead and flash the club level seats. Again, the second person allows the reader or listener to inhabit the role of the cheerleader flashing the seats above. A far reach from when we were eating helmets in the first few stanzas. To place a male body as the object of sexual desire in a poem about football is almost as rattling to our traditional gender roles as the thought of a female pirate ravaging colonial Caribbean trade ships. Anne Bonny exists in what we thought to be a traditionally male world, and the player getting the salt licked off his ear is a sexualized role previously reserved for women on the sidelines. Anne Bonny 
is obviously not bound or intimidated by these gender barriers. And neither is Dorsey Alba. The last thing I want to touch on with this poem is the lack of punctuation. It builds energy, like the crowd leaning into their team on a fourth and inches on their opponent's goal line. Like a battle scene where cannonballs tear apart wooden ships. The accelerated energetic pace also pays tribute to the pace of a single six-second football play, and what I'm assuming would be a fast-paced battle at sea. Most of these fast, violent roles, however, consist of standing on the sideline, or on the deck of a ship. But within six seconds, there are 22 players, at least four referees, a dozen cheerleaders, and a thousand fans participating in this uniquely American ritual. Or a ship's worth of cannons, swords, guns, all fighting over a pile of riches. Through an energetic slew of absurd images, Dorsey Ulbricht draws attention to curious, possibly harmful traditions in both football and piracy that make for an energetic and exciting poem. So again, here's Dorsey Ulbricht. The pirate Anne Bonnie does not care about football. You say it's the heat. The sunglasses that puddle from noses, glint in rows like sunfish, a flip-drip school drying in hot air, but they're going for it on fourth down, so you drop your jaw like you mean to swallow a helmet whole, a groan to drown the signal caller, the veins in your neck slung with wind, with blood, stuck under a sweat-logged tangle of crimson, and the sound still pumping out of your mouth like a whale's stale exhale, and after the linemen launch their face mask crunch, I see you stretched across the field like a sail, riding the thin wire of the TV cameras up to the empty corners of the upper deck, lick salt from the freckled ears of wrecked boys, clip letters from their chests, and give their dates high fives that shake their sunburnt cleavage because the D-line held like leather, and now we're in the red zone. So you zip line down to the head cheerleader, his brawny arms waiting for your boot poised in his hand while you kick the other foot to your forehead and flash the club-level seats, a downpour of whiskey and water on the toddlers, and I can tell we're about to send a short pass out to the flat, Thumbs of our slight new slot receiver meet at the seam on the underside of the ball before you tuck it and break for the end zone. No touchdown celebration raucous as the spangle you throw while they slap your shoulder pads. A somersault shimmy that has the referee sprinting down the sideline to clutch a sliver of your jersey empty and crumpled in the painted letters because you're already traipsing out the tunnel with a fistful of championship rings, the running back's diamond gleaming in your nose. You stop by the trophy case to lop some gold plate and help yourself to spiced rum from the liquor lockers, a perfect spiral, an orange scorch, electricity and shattered glass of every blinking bulb the scoreboard has.